Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, it's been an interesting day here on the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. We talked with Jeffrey Wright, who's about to attend a Blink-182 concert in Austin, Heck Texas. Yeah. He may or may not attend. I guess there's like a ghost ticket on his phone someplace. Ghost strange. ticket. That's what I like. I would like to see that advertised. I have yeah. a ghost tickets to believe. But it's not in his Apple wallet, which is why, and it's not in an email. So yeah, both that's, of those that's things, a weird deal. I would be wigged out by that, too. I would be, too. I don't so. understand how that. That's got to be some sort of location-based thing that's tied to your phone somehow. I don't know. That sounds wild. You hope. Is yeah. it like Life 360 where I can see my kid on my phone <laughs> or something? So. And it's just, it's there. there uh, so. Yeah, so thanks to Jeffrey for coming on on his vacation all three days. Just awesome. Uh, Gabe Kuhn joined us in the last segment. Christopher Gabriel, my friend from KMJ in Fresno, who comes on in Tennessee's, uh, he's been following Tennessee. He's a, basically a beat reporter at this point for the University of Tennessee and for Memphis, and has been on several times. So I'm going to ask him about this uh, conference expansion that's going on in the Pac-12, in particular San Diego State. Memphis is related to this because SMU could, or not Memphis, but SMU's been talked about to go to the Pac-12. Yes, but that that, that means that does affect Memphis. It does affect Memphis because, like, people in Memphis are like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, and it affects Memphis and then, like, are we still not moving anywhere? Or yeah. does that open up some slots? Maybe some, maybe there's movement for Big 12. Yeah. But uh, oh, why not Why not us and why SMU is, is kind of where I go with that. Gross. It, it's totally I it. gross. I hate so, it. That and more on Britney Spears and Victor Wembenyama um, with Christopher, who joins us at 335. Right now, uh, we've got the list. Giannato and Jeffrey keep a list of the stories and people they need to talk about. Being on the list can be a good or bad thing. Listen to find out who made it and why. This is The List. You just made the list! On Giannato and Jeffrey on 92.9 FM ESPN. The FIBA World Cup 2023 roster has been announced and they are young, young, but amongst those young men... The Grizzlies' own Jaron Jackson Jr. How about that? So this is cool. I I saw the picture come out, and I was excited to see Jaron. I am too. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome anytime that uh, one of the Grizzlies gets to represent the USA in any kind of competition. They now I did read about this. They're forced to go. Uh, super young this year because the the mm-hmm. the tournaments between the uh, Olympics and this are in back to back years, mm-hmm. uh, which they aren't normally, uh, as what I'm reading. And so uh, most of the players for the Olympic team only want to commit to one of these tournaments. Okay, they didn't want to do both the World Cup and the Olympics, and so the rosters went super young. So it's Tyrese Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Brunson, Paolo Bencaro. Oh. Um, it is uh, way Austin Reeves. 
Um, uh, they are super young. So my concern is, so this inevitable would this be what our Olympic team will probably no, it will it's, no, so it's going to be a different I, roster. I think yeah, I think the Olympic team is going to be like the the, du- the the superstars, the guys you know. Yes, yeah. is that they didn't want to commit to playing both tournaments uh, and back-to-back So that's back where years. you're saying they don't want to do the two in a row. Yes, so they're so uh, unfortunately, Jaron won't have a chance to do that one. Probably. Well, maybe. Who knows? Maybe if it's if it. I mean, if they want him. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously on the radar, and he, he's on this roster, and so may, you know, okay. and maybe he has another great year, and if he's healthy enough, I'm sure um, he would be interested in playing for the Olympics, and so it's possible that. Um, I mean, I, huh. I would imagine there's some great players on this roster, so I would imagine some of these guys are probably some whole, some tieovers to the Olympics. But I think <sighs> your Steph Curry's and LeBron's didn't want to do this two years in a row. There are. It's a good roster. I don't want to. It is a good roster. It's just so young. It's super young. (laughs) Yeah. Like and Jaron might be one of the better players on this as far as yeah. uh, rim defenders. That's probably why he's on the roster. Yeah, yeah, they needed some size. Yeah, they need, but I mean, you have some some rookies, or, or I guess going to be second year players mm-hmm. in there. Um, and but that's fine. That's okay. cool. I, I dig it. I'm into it. All right, where do you want to go next? I think next we ha- we can't hold this off any longer. Dennis Rodman got a cheek tattoo. You just a- made the list. Dennis Rodman. Oh, Dennis Rodman. Cheek tattoo of a portrait of his girlfriend. Do you think it's face or butt? Which cheek? <laughs> so I already know the answer. But I will say, if if I had to guess, and, and I didn't know this how the story ends, I would have guessed buttocks. I would have guessed butt. Because you would just assume, and, and this is no disrespect to people who choose to get a face tattoo, if you want a face tattoo, get a face tattoo. Yeah. Um, um, I don't want to project. I wouldn't get a face tattoo. I wouldn't either. If I were to pick a cheek, it would be a butt cheek. I, w- I agree with you. And if I was to get a face tattoo, I'd, I wouldn't think I would get it of a girlfriend. I mean, they're not. No. I would at least get it of a wife. And I guess, technically speaking, you can j- dissolve a marriage just yeah. like anything else. It's just more of a pain in the neck to get out of the marriage. But I would think there's a. Yeah. There's that, a that's, I see where you would If you're going to go with a level of commitment. To uh to get a face tattoo yeah. of your girlfriend's face on your face, you would at least want to be the full commitment of marriage, I would think. Uh, but All man, right. that is so wild. I'm looking at this. TMZ has this up. There's several pictures now, and you can see it on the internet. Dennis Robbins tattoo. Uh, it, it was done by Black Ink Crew's Van Johnson on Thursday. That's who gets the credit on this thing. And no disrespect to Van, not the greatest portrait of a girl it's, on your face. It's, just... it's kind of not great. I, I'm be, I'm just being honest with you. I'm looking at it as it, right now. It's just it's, cheek tattoos. It's just, and it, also a tough space to work. Tough on. Tough space to work on. Like if you get face tattoos, usually it's like along right around the eyes, little forehead, yeah. or underneath the eyes, like uh, Post Malone, always tired. Yeah, like I like what Mike Tyson did. If I was going tats on face, it I, is a nice artistic design around the forehead and around the eye. Yeah, this is just like this. <laughs> I can't believe I'm I'm doing a Rod, comp. Rodman's <laughs> face tattoo kind of looks like they took a stamp and just stamped. Yeah. Like a, a stamp of a of a picture of a cartoon picture and just stamped it on his cheek. Yeah, and I mean he was already pretty tatted up. Maybe he has no butt cheek space left. He may already be full tat on bat on the buttocks. Maybe his maybe his his derriere is covered up. According to the story <laughs> from TMZ, uh, Johnson, who did the tat, said, "Yes, it's really real. He was a champ." The quote says he sat through it. Pretty random, but he loved the hell out of that girl. I, I certainly hope so. So, I certainly hope so. I, I would just not get a girl. I would have got a design. It doesn't seem like a smart idea, but you know, maybe call he's me, in love with her. Call me a square, but I just want to. I just want to say that I, I, I think it's bad. Uh, it's bad, bad advice yeah. to get to get a, a face tattoo of your girlfriend on your face. So, any of y'all listening mm-hmm. who are considering it, 
I, just reconsider. A lot. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to Las Vegas. The Sphere. You just made the list. So we talked about this in the first hour. The Sphere is now on in Las Vegas. This is the... Uh, let me look at it so I get all the specs right on this thing. It's, it's incredible. See, it, here, here's some of the stuff on the Sphere. The Sphere isn't directly on the, the, the Strip, as we talked about with Jeffrey Wright. It's like behind where that golf course used to be over there. Um, by the de- I think it was by the Desert Inn. It's called the MSG Sphere. It... It has 1.2 million LED screens. It measures 366 feet tall, but it's over 500 feet wide. And it's billed as the world's largest spherical structure. It's all self-contained. It seats 18,000 people, and it cost over $2 billion to build the sphere. Now, on the outside with those LED lights, they've already started like uh, stunting on people with giant eyeball That's a, a, so weird. It is... If you got to look this up, I, I retweeted it at Brad Carson. You can follow my Twitter feed there, and I, I retweeted some of the articles coming out of Las Vegas. It is insane what this thing looks like. You have to see pictures of. They've done. You really? Do, you got to see videos yeah. of it. They did, and they did fireworks on the fourth on it. Mm-hmm. Like you really need to see video of it because it's incredible. And I can only hope that like. When they do the FedEx renovation, FedEx form renovations, they make it into <laughs> they this make one, it into this. There's this one guy in Las Vegas that, that I follow on Twitter. He said, "I don't trust it." <laughs> I know. I <laughs> it don't looks either. like a Death Star coming it over the horizon. It really does look like that. I would, dude. How awesome if they, <laughs> at some point, they have yeah. to make it the Death Star. No, they have to. They have to. Because that's what it seems like is that coming is over. what it looks like. When you, and, it, and it's obviously, it's a sphere. It's not a, a, a circle bottom right. to top. So you, it, it always, when you look at it, it looks like it's coming over the horizon at you. Right. It's the most wild and magical sort of LED it show. Is. It certainly looks like it could be used in superhero movies. It, it really does. So <laughs> when you're going to Vegas, <laughs> you know at some point they'll do the Death Star. They've done an eyeball. They've done a giant world. Today, because the NBA is going to be in um, in Las Vegas for the summer league, yep. they had an NBA and a basketball. Well, that's on it. nice. Kind of makes sense. That makes sense. That's nice. So, I like that. Congratulations to the city of Las Vegas and the MSG people on the Las Vegas sphere. On the Las Vegas sphere. All right, we talked about this in off air, uh, Brad, but um, Brooks Kepka. You just made the oh, list. Oh, this is good. We're going to the to golf here. Brooks Kepka called out his uh, teammate on the Live Tour, Matthew Wolf, and accused him publicly of being a quitter oh boy and uh you know <laughs> and this is a man i read the same column you no, read the i guess column. he's he struggled the, the golfer he's sort of not making fun of but calling out he struggles with mental health he's a he really he, it's and i you know we talked it's kind of related my initial instinct was I know this is related yeah, yesterday yeah. the soccer player who when he when he didn't start in the in the champions league game he went to his hotel room and cried and cried called to his, his mom mama. and uh and we we kind of mm-hmm. thought maybe he was being a, a little B, little B. Uh, on that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. my instinct on this was to think the same thing. Maybe maybe Matthew Wolf is so, being a little B. However, he is, yeah. in 2021, he left the tour for mental health issues. Like, this seems like a legitimate thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think he really battles uh, some sort of depression. Uh, real, like, yes. cl- diagnosed. Yes. Um, and I think, according to this, he's also going through it now. Mm-hmm. And it is clearly affecting his golf game. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I don't call yeah. him out publicly that he's quitting. I don't, here is, don't know if that's the best way to Here's it. the words that Wolf had to hear publicly from his teammate, Brooks Kepka. I mean, when you quit on your round, you give up and stuff like that. That's not competing, Kepka told Sports Illustrated. I'm not a big fan of that. You don't work hard. 
it's very tough. It's very tough to even like a, a team dynamic when you've got one guy that won't work. One guy is not going to give any, any effort, stress the any effort. <laughs> He's going to quit on the course. He's going to break clubs, gets down, bad body language. It's very tough. And the, this is clearly a guy who has only played an individual sport his entire life. Who's Brooks never Kepka been don't on a give team. an S he about is, this Matthew Wolf cat. There, there is no team sport where you're going to hear a guy just be publicly <laughs> just ridiculed like that. I, I actually, and I want to be careful here, because on one hand, we are now in a world, and I'm a manager here, yep. sort of, although it feels like I'm the one being managed all the time. <laughs> um, you have to be sensitive to the needs you do. of your employees and their mental health. You do. This is 2023. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to be in their soft space. Having said that, I kind of thought he was a little B when I read it, because it's probably like he did quit. And Maybe. it is, is easy, if you're Bruce Kepka and you're a damn boss... Yep. at your sport, to go, why am I playing with this guy on my team who looks like he's given up in the middle of the round? Yeah. And I guess the challenge for somebody that's that good at their sport and expects, like Tiger did, and like Phil Mickelson does, like clearly Bruce Kepka cares about, you playing to a level where you give max effort pretty much all the time. And when you don't see that, I don't think it's – I think this is a mental health thing – Guys like him go, what's your problem? Like, why sure. are you being a bad teammate? And and I'm sorry that you have mental health struggles, but can you get your golf game together and try to hit the ball? <laughs> sure. Do you think you should have said it in an interview, like, publicly, though? <sighs> I don't know if that's the way to handle like, it. My guess is he has told him privately, I, by the way. I don't. Do you think? I, I, or, I, or at least tried he, to insinuate it. I, we're in a world now where we do passive-aggressive movements. I, mean, I get true. that. Because these dudes don't play on teams. They're n- he's well, they, not they, used they, I to guess being he, a te- they are on teams. This is part I of know, it. I know, but he's not used to yeah, being in yeah, a team like, dynamic. I get you. I so get you, addressing yeah, get somebody, your teammate in the locker room, to try to settle issues is something he's never had to do. This is a new way of this dealing a with new, it. Right. I a, get that. Yeah. This is okay. like new This is new yeah. footing for him. And so, and he's supposed to be the team captain. But like... I feel like it's kind of well known. Isn't he kind of a jerk anyway? <laughs> not, I think I Kepka can be a jerk. Like, no, I think that is that's right. Because so I don't want to paint and him he like also he's also is not like Mr. No, Golf. Like no, he it, does, he's awesome, but he's awesome because he just happens to be super talented and awesome. I think it's kind of like well known. Like he he doesn't play all the tournaments. Yep. He's, he's not like a grinder. He doesn't love to play golf. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you nailed it here because if you're looking at a counter argument, you look at Bruce Kepka and you go, "Yo, man, like." I watched you on Netflix last year, yeah. and you couldn't win a damn tournament for right. about six months. That's right. Like, you were broken down, you were injured, and he, quite frankly, you were struggling mentally, too, because yes. of your body breaking down yes. on you. Now, he bounced back. This is why you got to be careful, and you have to be respectful at times if you're going through this, especially with your teammates, probably, if you're Bruce Kepka, right? So mm-hmm. I, I know on one hand I was sort of taking his side, but on the other hand, you have to go, look... You were sucking last year, and you were hurt. And before you got right, you were you were concerned that you weren't going to even be able to win a tournament. Right. Now, the Liv thing is what makes it interesting, <laughs> because Liv gave all these dudes all the money, including Matthew sure, Wolf. Sure, Like, Matthew Wolf, despite him having some struggles and not being still in, paid. in the top five, like, he's a Liv golfer. He's so. still getting paid. I, I mean, but, you know, it's similar to, like, if the Brooks Kepka was hurt, like physically hurt, like yeah, whether, right. I think it was a knee or something, mm-hmm. and and that and that certainly helped him not play well. And it's a lot harder to diagnose a mental health mm-hmm. issue 
and try to relate that to play on the on the course. But in this, like we right. talked to Matt Reiser yesterday for baseball. That's we right. Don't, we don't say the yips word. And so we never say that. that he, you know, he, he, he's, he's like, what we he don't. Said. Yeah, it's not a word we talk the, about in baseball. We do not say that in front of anybody. Right. Yeah. And so it's possible, on top of just maybe actual depression and like real clinically diagnosed depression, yeah. hurting his hurting his performance on the on the course. That maybe also yeah. it's also causing him to get the yips. At which point, maybe he's just playing back because he is not right upstairs and he needs help there. And I, calling, I think that's fair. Calling him a quitter. In an interview, <laughs> it is kind of funny though. It's it's, it's kind of but, funny, but that doesn't help your because mental health. Because my initial instinct would be yeah. like, "Oh man, he this dude just got called out for being a little b." <laughs> and to be fair, I'm not there. Maybe he is a little b, <laughs> but also maybe he like really has problems and like and that makes problems. Brooks Kepka one of the biggest a holes ever. That's fair. <laughs> I think uh, it can go both ways. Let, let's go to the next list item. I'll put this one out there. We talked about it earlier. The NBA new in season tournament. You just made the list. According to Adrian Wojnarowski from just a couple of days ago, and they're rolling out this announcement over the weekend, the NBA's new in-season tournament is set for December 7th and 9th, two days in Las Vegas, self-contained. Statistics will count for the league's regular season, so they're regular season games, except for the championship game of the event, and they'll deem somebody a champion even if they're not the, the NBA Finals champion midseason. Um, I'll let you talk about this first. What do you think as an NBA fan of the midseason NBA tournament? Okay, so, to, all right, a couple things. Final four. Co- all right, a couple things. It's a final four, baby. It's a final four. Right. In season tournament, I don't final know, four. I don't know all the details about it. Is it They're uh, still rolling some of this every, out. Is everybody involved? Or just like the top four teams? All right, so teams take pl- part in group play first, with the final eight teams advancing in a tournament-style knockout phase. Teams will play in four games, two home, two road in this group play stage all the first six weeks of the season. So during those first six weeks, those are play-in games for this midseason tournament. It gets damn complicated, by the way. It's like the Grizzlies okay. trade. Yeah, okay, so I think this is stupid. Yeah, it's kind of stupid, I, I think, too. I wouldn't, however, however, mm. I would not think it was stupid if it was like soccer and you had, it was like the Champions League or the Euro Cup or a CONCACAF, or, or I guess CONCACAF is countries, but uh, if it's like Champions League to where the top four teams in EPL get to compete in Champions Leagues and you play clubs from other leagues. So if so let's, say, let's just say the top four teams, it was Denver and the Grizzlies on the, in the West and uh, who was on the East? It was uh, the Sixers and who was the number one seed in the East? Bucks. And the Bucks. So... Top four teams midway through are now playing an in-season tournament with a club, the best clubs from Argentina in and the from other, Spain. In the other conference or league. In the other, yeah, yeah some other country's right. league. Mm-hmm. And that's the in-season tournament. That, to me, is super interesting to where you're really getting crossover. But the, all the teams play each other already anyway. Yep. We play every team in the league already. Uh, you yeah. unless, unless you're in the Champions League, you don't see uh, Man United play against AC Milan or whatever unless they're playing in the Champions League. And it means something. An in-season tournament against the literal exact same teams means nothing, right? Yes. I actually agree with you. There are ways if you had other countries or West versus East, maybe you can make it a little more interesting. This is too complicated to me. I, but having said that, I think people will watch it. I, but they'll watch it through the prism of regular season games. Like it's all it is. It's just an entertainment thing. Like I want to see Victor Wembanyama tonight. I also want to see John Morant, or not in the first twenty-five like, games, it, but you know. What whatever. it makes me want to watch 
an NBA game held in Las Vegas against I don't know the the Cavs and uh, the and the Warriors. Yeah, it, it's, it's just like another in game December, on television. Why do I want to watch no. it more from because it's held in Vegas now, versus that they just played it at their own home arenas? Yeah. Now the championship game may have a little more zip to it, possibly, Maybe? possibly, possibly. What do you? What does the champion get? So the championship game gets a trophy, uh, and they're the champion of the NC tournament. I don't know if they get money. There's probably Yay, a bonus. A I, I made all of that up. But they, I here's, hope they here's get a little tweet. plaques to hang up on their on their wall. They probably get a plaque too. We'll <laughs> give you that too. But it's here's from Tim Reynolds explains this though because there's an extra game, right? It's 80, and then some of the teams, depending on how they do in the tournament, get to 82. Championship game in this in-season tournament won't count towards your win-loss record for those teams. So it's like an extra game that's just sitting there as an outlier. The championship game of this tournament. So, oh, so, so this is part of the regular season. They're yes. just make okay. They're not adding games per se. They're just okay. trying to weave in this semi semi-meaningful in-season bracket competition. Oh, here's the prize. I found that it's in uh, NBC Sports. Players on the winning team receive half mil. Okay. There, there are some questions about how two-way players or injured players may get paid. Give them a couple dollars, too, Sure, right? why not? Um, will the teams care? Good question. Will the fans care in the middle of the football season? That is the problem. That is the problem, too, by the way, that because is the problem. football has started hijacking it. Might have been Christopher Gabriel said yesterday the idea of starting the NBA probably shouldn't even start, or maybe you said this. I didn't say it. Chris, Christmas. Like, people don't really sense. start turning it on until Christmas, and now the NFL's hijacking Christmas. Yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. I, I mean, I guess it makes sense if there's no, you're not adding or subtracting games from teams' regular schedule. Yes. I mean, I guess, I guess so if you're in the, if you're just trying to add a little interest to, and it happens in December? It happens in December. It's so like, like a we're mid-season. barely even in the season. Mm-hmm. It's six weeks in. So they're trying to use six weeks, make it meaningful, do something cool, uh, and then rock and roll. Okay, that's weird. December 7th and. Night. I mean, I think people will just watch it as if it was an, a regular. I, NBA, I think you're exactly right. Regular season game. I think if it was, if it was, if mm-hmm. if you'd had a sort of Champions League sort of thing, I think that would be interesting. I to like people. your idea there. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Where you get an international play, and it's mm-hmm. not. It's it's international play, not representing your country. You're yep. still playing for your club. Yes, and and then you're just playing a, the best club from another country. Let's do one more here because we haven't talked about the Grizzlies, and I'll just put the Grizzlies in the list. You okay. just made the list. So we'll first start with the Summer League game, which I watched last night. Yep. They, they rested their main Summer League players. LaRavia didn't, LaRavia didn't play. Uh, David Roddy did not play. Yep. And Junior Lofton did not play. The star of the game for the Grizzlies, despite the fact they lost to Utah, was this Gigi Jackson dude. He's 18 years old. He's the youngest player in the NBA. Yep. And, and I told you about this. I, I thought he looked awesome, despite he doesn't like passing. He does not like He got to get his. He gonna get his points. I got to get mine, boy. <laughs> boy, he gonna get. It. I love Chris Harrison's tweet uh, yes. yes last night about his stats. He's what fifty five minutes played, yeah. thirty two shots, zero assists, zero. And I guess some people came <laughs> at him, but I got what he said because oh. I mean he's gonna have to be a bucket. I mean that's what yeah, yeah. that's what he does. Let it fly. I mean six seven. He he looks like. He looks the part, if that makes sense. You know, sure. uh, and I sort of described this, and you laughed when off the air when I was describing it. He looks like the long, Stromile sort of swift vibesies, right? Coming into the gym, like sure. he's just—he looks the part, man. He looks like he would be awesome at basketball, and he—he he has flashes where he looks really good. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he's one of those dudes that that's why they—that's why you take a flyer on him—is that he's got—he has that kind of intangible stuff that—that yeah. is—that is—he looks the part. 
His body and he moves the right this way. way too. It's not just look. Yeah. And he's so young. Maybe he's so young. He just doesn't know how to play basketball in a team. Yeah. In a team. Uh, uh, the you know, atmosphere. Setup. Atmosphere. And, yeah, yet. Like yeah. he he knows how to get buckets for himself. Yeah. He hasn't learned how to play as a team mm-hmm. yet, or or mature as. I mean, since he's only eighteen, and so maybe you're yes. thinking, maybe maybe when he's twenty or twenty one. Might be a good G League player maybe, for a couple of years in Yeah, and then maybe we can maybe yeah. by that time after two years he mm-hmm. comes up and he's a baller. Could be. Uh, the other part for the Grizzlies we didn't touch on was this trade. We've talked about it throughout the day with Jason and John, and, and a lot of people don't understand it. Essentially, they're giving up three picks all in the second round. Right. The Suns are trying to restock their. I can't. I can't their, believe they their, have no picks. They control yeah. till twenty thirty. Yeah, it's incredible. So they did pick swaps with Memphis. There's other teams involved, but it, they send Isaiah Todd, who probably won't be on the roster. Do you don't think Memphis. they'll keep him on the roster? I, Chris and I, I think, and others have said maybe not. I think it's a fifty fifty though. Gotcha. So he he's almost inconsequential. I think so. I think, and, and the the Grizzlies already have too many dudes. And we did first round pick swaps of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're banking on the front office from Phoenix, kind of botching it down Got the road it. here as we get through it, and and they move up a couple of spots now, and they could swap. I, I don't the the, the, the protect. There's some protections I think in there, but you can read about it in the Daily Memphis and the Commercial Appeal. It's it is a confusing trade, but essentially it is a confusing trade. Know, I don't. I still don't understand why you give away three you, second round. You picks. move up in the draft if if their draft slot if they're not good ups. Got it. Uh, you know goes up. So yeah. if they get worse, we get better in in that sense from a draft perspective. I see. Uh, it's two thirty now on ninety two nine FM ESPN. That is the voice of J.R. Moore. I'm Brad Carson. Is it three? Did I say two thirty? You did say two thirty. Been a long day. It has been already. Oof. <laughs> Um, is it storming outside yet? It was about to when I came in today. We're in this bunker here. We are in, in a bunker. The, I have no idea what's happening outside. We don't outside. get to see what the weather is. So it is 3.30. Thank you. The time zone here uh, on 92.9 FM ESPN. We're going to be joined by Christopher Gabriel. He was on with us Wednesday. He was. He's we, great, though. He's really good. But we didn't get to the, the conference expansion stuff. He's on the West Coast. We'll ask him what he thinks of SMU and the Pac-12. Ick. That's next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. G&J guests appear on the Sissy's Log Cabin phone lines. We're back with the Giannato and Jeffrey Show, live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas on 92.9 FM ESPN. Today, it's special guest host Justin Moore with Brad Carson on 92.9's Giannato and Jeffrey Show. He runs the Tennessee Beat. For a radio station in Fresno, California, he's a friend. He's a Golden Mike Award winner. He's been around the country and back, a former star on Broadway and beyond, and his name is 
Christopher Gabriel from CMJ Fresno. You can find him on Twitter at CG Program. And my guy on a Friday is Christopher Gabriel. How are you, Christopher? Hey, man. How's it going, fellas? It's going well, I would say. It is going well. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's not 101 degrees here like it probably is in Fresno, but other than that, it's going great. Yeah, it's, it's crazy here. Listen, I've been listening in to, to you boys, and before we get going, I, I've got to comment on a couple of things if it's okay with you. Oh, always. Uh, well, let's just imagine I'm a golf guy to the extent that uh, I'm going to watch the majors. I'm watching Augusta National. You know, I'm watching the British uh, – I'm watching the Open – but I'm not watching, say, the AMC Gremlin Saskatoon Open. I, I, <laughs> right? I, I'm not watching it. But it's here's a, what I good tournament, think. though. You, <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful tournament. You know, the sponsors mean, well, good poutine up there. I um, heard that. You know, now, most people, I think, or a lot of people watch golf the way I would watch the NBA midseason tourney. Who cares? Right. Who, right. who cares about it? Yes. But here's where I think golf could use my plan. Imagine this. Uh, let's go back to 18 and uh, Jim Nance. Thanks, Phil. Brooks Kepka is lining up about a seven-foot putt. Matthew Wolf just walked behind him and mumbled something. Oh, it's on! They dropped the putt, and they are fake. They need a little NHL. I think that if they would start they dropping the clubs, I think this is what we need in golf. The ratings will go through the roof. I agree with this. As a matter of fact, I think instead of like him publicly shaming him uh, on and just in a in a in an interview about him being a quitter, I think I would have prefer, preferred like a locker room fight or video yeah. of like them like re, like bowing up on each other at the end of a round. I would have liked that so much more. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And then you talked about the sphere. Now I've seen the sphere. Let me give you the perspective. Oh, you've seen it in person. You've seen it in person. I have. Okay. I have, and it, it really you feel like you're on the set of War of the Worlds. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, so here's the Las Vegas. I'm not a Las Vegas. I don't know. Do we call them Las Vegans? Las Vegas yeah, Maybe. I'm so, not, Nevadans, yes. Nevadans. Here's the attitude right now from there relative to sports. You will have a Las Vegas person saying, you know what? We spent $2 billion on that sphere. It looks great. We spent a couple of billion on Allegiant Stadium. It looks great. We've got the Stanley Cup winners. We have the Raiders. Why the hell do we need the Oakland A's? Um, and and that's, that's where Las Vegas is at right now. You know, we're, talk, we're going to talk about college football conference merry-go-rounds. But it, you're, and I know that Nashville, your friends in the state, they want a team. I know Memphis yep. would like a team. But the A's, uh, the A's moving there. Folks are more excited about the sphere, more excited than they are about the impending move of the downtrodden Oakland A's. This is what I was bringing up earlier. We is talked that, about it with Jeffrey at the beginning. I'm yeah. not sure. Like I understand, the NFL makes makes perfect sense there because it's eight games. It is a the NFL is a tourist attraction in and of itself, and so it makes sense for people to come in and spend a weekend, go do the casinos, and go to the football game. But when there's 81 uh, home games, like that, that you really have to be like a local and a fan and like a baseball guy to. This is not baseball games like that, and and are not really a tourist attraction. And so, I, I was wondering if the city had like hit its saturation point on the like the people who live there on having sports teams there, and how much can they really care about it, especially when you're getting a franchise that has been not good for a long time. You make an interesting point, and you, you raise an interesting point. You know, the Las Vegas Aviators, the AAA franchise for the A's, they're there. They play in a beautiful ballpark. They do pretty well at the gate. 
the feeling in Las Vegas, and this is really where it sits right now, the feeling in Las Vegas is they would like Major League Baseball to model a franchise situation the way they did the Vegas Golden Knights. They would oh. like baseball, but they, they want their own team grown, raised organically. I mean, you look at the success of the Knights winning a Stanley Cup yeah. out of six years. I, see. I yeah. mean, the only team that I can think of that's done anything like that are the Flyers. They came in in 67. They won back-to-back Cups in 73-74. That's what the fans there want, and they're not going to get it. And then you have Mark Davis, the, uh, the owner of the Raiders, just savaging the A's, saying we hated them in Oakland. They wanted us out of there. They did nothing for us. I damn well don't want them here in Las Vegas. Wow. So it's a, Interesting. It's a very, yeah, it's a, it's a nasty situation that's only going to get worse. Well, baseball's not going to, they're not expanding anytime soon, right? They're just going to move. They're no, just there's talk teams. of it. There is, there is talk of it. Is yes. there talk of expansion? Because of, because of Charlotte and because of Nashville. Oh. Now, this is the outlier in Vegas. They go two by two in most of these leagues, sure. right? And I don't want to speak out of school. Right. You're on the West Coast, so you know, know better than I would, Christopher. But, uh, you know, the Las Vegas 51s were the notorious triple-A team for years with the Mets and back into the 90s and even the 80s in Vegas, if I recall, when I was out there. You're right. And so that they kind of chucked that because it, it, it really waned for a while. And part of that was Vegas UNLV basketball became a big deal. Right. Just for a short time until they sucked, and then Tarkanian was no longer. Yep. Uh, no disrespect to the late Jerry Tarkanian. The Las Vegas Aviators, to, to Christopher's point, they built this spectacular Summerland Beautiful. Now, it's hot as hell because it's still all outdoors, but the Aviators have an all-original experience, much like the Golden Knights, if I'm, if I'm sort of setting that up right. Christopher? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. The Aviators are really a wonderful model of a, a minor league ballpark and a minor league franchise. They have a very loyal following, and you, you mentioned the West Coast. I will tell you, the folks up in Portland, they want a franchise badly. The folks in Seattle have been very supportive of it. They would, they would like to have their own neighbor as a, as a rival right there. Yep. Portland has come out with some very impressive renderings yeah. uh, of a retract, retractable dome stadium. My gut tells me uh, that either somewhere in Tennessee, whether it's Nashville, I don't know if Memphis is in play right now, Charlotte. My feeling is that, and you're right, two by two we go. Uh, my, my gut feeling is that, the franchises organically are going to come in your state and in North Carolina before Portland gets it. But I, I really don't understand the, the A's move. Basically, John Fisher is one of the worst owners in the history of sports. He has decimated that franchise. He's had fire sale after fire sale of players. That really is a wonderful fan base. Those A's fans are loyal, but they have been run through the pasta maker, the meat grinder, no. and, no, nobody, and nobody cares anymore. So no. basically now they're saying, you know what, you want to leave, get the hell out. Wildly, I've been to an A's game on my honeymoon out in the Bay, I, and I enjoyed it. Now, that's, you know, 17 years ago, but it, it could have been a good experience. They just whiffed on it, and the ballpark blows. Oakland's rough. I'm not trying to project on Oakland because I'm here in Memphis, but it can be a little rougher, especially where the stadium is. But I get it. We'll see what Vegas does. We're talking to Christopher Gabriel from KMJ. He's our, our correspondent now at this point in Fresno here on 92.9 like FM ESPN on the uh, Giannato and Jeffrey show. J.R. Moore and Brad Carson. We, we've actually had a busy week because of summer basketball and all of these random Victor stories. Let, let's get to the, the, the big one we've sort of been teasing all week, which is conference expansion. And this is for selfish reasons because JNR, JR and I want Memphis in a big-time conference. The Big 12 is the likely candidate given where we're located, given what's going to open up, particularly if, here we go, the Pac-12 expands. 
The teams that have been mentioned for the Pac-12 include San Diego State. Now, uh, a two-parter here. You can clue us in on this San Diego State letter because it sounds like the Mountain West said, oh, we heard you're going, you've, you've submitted something, we'll take your piece of paper and not give you your money to be in our crappy conference, your words. So there's the San Diego is, is leaving possibly and, and ultimately to go to the Pac-12. In the meantime, a uh, school like SMU is now listed as a possible candidate to leave the American and, uh, and fill the gaps also in the Pac-12 as these teams uh, evacuate. So have I set the table on this one as well to sort of go where, where Memphis would have a hole uh, in one of these conferences? Maybe the Big 12, maybe the Big 12 shuffles. Um, where do we start with this, Christopher? Yeah, you said it perfectly. And on my show, I would call the San Diego State situation delicious because <laughs> it is deliciously awful. How about that for an oxymoron? Perfect. Like that. Uh, what's happened here? Give me, give me a moment. Let me just set up the San Diego State thing so that that can lead right into the Memphis thing and make a nice smooth transition. Uh, you want to talk about uh, the uh, the follies here? You have the president of San Diego State. Her name uh, is Adela De La Torre, and uh, sends a me- sends a note to the Mountain West Commissioner Gloria Navarez, and it says this: This letter. This is an exact quote. This letter is to formally give notice that San Diego State University intends to resign from the conference effective June 30th. Now, fellas, that seems pretty clear to me. Yeah. It's <laughs> cut and dried there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so Navarez wrote, wrote back, and this, you had this back and forth going on, and Navarez writes back and says, We wish you only the best in your new conference. Love that. that. You, yeah, to yes. ensure a smooth transition. Oh, we'll take your resignation. <laughs> and, and so then Dilatory figures, I can top that. Dilatory writes back and says, letter was not the official notice of resignation. Oh. What? <laughs> yeah, so, she, so basically this all gets muddled up. The Pac-12 has not offered an invitation to San Diego State. And San Diego State, the, the thought is that they wanted a little bit more time for the exit deadline, which was going to be June 30th, because they were going to owe about $17 million. Well, it gets even better. The Mountain West was getting ready to disperse $6.6 million, a little bit over $6.6 million to San Diego State uh, for, you know, conference earnings and so on and so forth, bowl games. But they yep. have withheld that payment, and they are viewing this as what we might call an installment on their exit fee. Wow. So, so Beautiful. we have a situation, yeah, we have a situation now where San Diego State came out to try to save face by saying, oh, no, 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 we're staying in the Mountain West. Well, the two words that they left out of their release were for now. They're staying for now. Because when you get right down to it, San Diego as a city, we don't need to talk about that. It's a great place to go. The yes. weather is 75, yeah, 75 all year long. Yep. San Diego State has two of the finest facilities you're going to want to see in the country. Their basketball arena, Vieja, seats 12,000. It's absolutely stunning. It's, it's yeah, a it's a jewel. Yep. Yeah, it, it really is. Snapdragon Stadium, unfortunate name, but Snapdragon Stadium is uh, 35,000 seats, 32,000. Standing room brings it to 35,000. Uh, and this is the note, and this is where I want to weave this into Memphis. They opened this stadium last year. They opened it with a home game against Arizona. They didn't even sell out. They were 9,000 short of a sellout. They basically would give the – they would publicize what the, uh, the actual box office was. Idaho State, 27,800, but they drew, drew 20,000. Toledo, 27,000. They brought in 16,000 and so on. Point being, they're not drawing well, but they still – I mean, they are, they are television market 
uh, uh, number 27. Yep. And this is the key thing here. The Pac-12 has looked at San Diego State because when they, when they lost SC and UCLA, they lost market two. They lost millions of TV sets. So the hope is to get San Diego State and recoup some of those TV sets. Enter SMU. First of all, anybody who thinks that SMU is worthy of the Pac-12 really needs to go and sit on an island by themselves for a while. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a That's joke. a joke. We've it's t- yes. Absolute, yeah, absolute joke. But it's about money and academics. SMU is a pretty decent academic school. Yep. They're not at the level of most Pac-12 schools, but they're a good academic school. Dallas's TV, according to the Nielsen DMA, a design market area, uh, Dallas's market five. Yep. And the Pac-12 believes they're going to recoup some of those TV sets. So now we get to Memphis. Memphis, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you are redoing the uh, Liberty Stadium. There's going to be a renovation going on there. There is a that renovation. Correct? Yes, there, we're getting money from the state. to. Uh, It'll to, eventually be over 100 mil once yes. uh, we get the Grizzlies money and figure out what they're doing. But, yeah, the state's going to kick in there. Yeah, I've seen the rendering. I've seen some of the early renderings, and it looks fantastic. And, of course, the Liberty Bowl itself, Liberty Stadium, you know, goes back so many decades. It's a great, it's a great place, but it needs, it, it, you know, it needs a whitewash. Yeah, so oh, yeah, big time. Uh, and I, lo- I love the rendering. So Memphis is certainly a school that has, you know, a wonderful history in basketball. Uh, in football, you know, the Tigers have been averaging, if I remember right, last year, somewhere in the twenty-five to 28,000. That's in a uh, bad – that's actually in a bad year, too. That when, they were good, when they were good with under Fuente and Norvell, they were averaging around 35,000. Yeah, that's a bad year for us, yeah. yeah. Yep, and, they, and the overall attendance over the last couple of years has dropped 24%. Yeah. But I really believe Memphis has such a loyal fan base. I yep. mean, you, you are the school of West Tennessee, Eastern Arkansas, uh, for the fans that aren't misguided and are Razorback fans. Uh, you know, they're, <laughs> That's fair. They're That's how my in-laws. My, mine too. Uh, you know, so I, I think that uh, to go kind of weave between both schools, yeah. San Diego State is going to be faced with a situation where if a couple more teams out of the Pac-12, the rumor, and you've all heard them, uh, of Oregon and Washington, but they like to say they're not. T- please stop. Oregon yeah. and Washington are contemplating uh, going to the Big Ten, or the Big Ten is contemplating inviting them. Let's just say Oregon and Washington go. The move for San Diego State becomes: Do they want to go to a very compromised and weakened Pac-12, or would an invite come from the Big Twelve? And with the the geography of the Big Twelve, it strikes me that with Memphis looking to, to make a move, it strikes me that Memphis would be an ideal school for the Big 12 because you've got schools that, you know, that are going into that conference that Memphis has played. They've got some built-in rivalries there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there, there are some built-in rivalries. And ge- geographically, you're not going to tax the athletic department. It's a very sm- seamless move. Yeah. The thing that concerns me uh, more than anything are when I hear schools thinking about you know, San Diego State talking – for a while there was, there was talk of the ACC. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? San Diego, is San Diego State softball going to be playing in Morgantown, West Virginia? No. I mean, I mean that's ridiculous. No. And the other factors out here, fellas, and this is where a couple of schools in the, in the Mountain West are similar to where Memphis is at, wondering what's next. You have Fresno State and Boise State. Fresno State has a lot of athletic uh, history. Uh, you know, they've won a couple of national championships. Oh, that's almost funny to say. They've won two in softball and baseball. You look at some of the schools in this state, USC, UCLA, and Stanford have each won over 100 yeah. championships. And, and then you have Boise State. Uh, I may alienate some of the Boise State fans if you have any in your audience, and quite frankly, I don't care. Um, Boise State... Uh, they've had great football success, not really a whole bunch recently. 
And Boise thinks that they should be primed for the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12. Get out of here with that. Boise State has a football program in a nice football stadium, a dumb blue field, but that's it. I mean, that, right. their basketball program has not done a lot, of, a lot under Leon Rice. I think that Memphis is, is perfectly positioned as perfectly as any other school you know, you, you know that that is at their level, meaning you know uh, they're not a you know I guess you want to call them a major, a mid-major, wherever you want to put them. They're better positioned than UNLV, Fresno State, Boise State. I think because of their athletic background, because of their facilities, because they're going to be doing uh, you know redoing Liberty Stadium, and the fact that geographically they make perfect sense for the Big Twelve. I would hope so. It makes I mean they definitely make perfect sense ge- geographically. What worries me. And I and I think we found out the hard way the la- this last uh, go round when the Big Twelve invited BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati is that they literally just pr- it's like they printed out a spreadsheet of the TV market ranking and just chose the f- the four biggest ones because even though SMU is in Dallas and yes Dallas is the number five TV market and so uh, you know uh, somebody just looking at numbers only goes well look at the potential here but. There's like 50 years of evidence that people in Dallas don't care about SMU, whereas Memphis is what? Like the, are we like the 49th TV market, yeah, roughly? Yeah. We may be the 49th TV market, but 80% of the market cares. And, and so you will grow this area, will grow adding us to your conference. So I, I worry but, but, that they don't look at that. Before we get out of here, because I, I hear the music, it's just like when the Big Ten added Rutgers thinking, we're going to get the New York market. Right. Nobody in New York cares exactly about right. college sports. It's exactly right. Hawkins has made this point on the morning show, and we're talking to Christopher Gabriel, uh, and I appreciate I'm going to cut this up and send it to the Big 12, for God's sakes, because that was a damn opus. That was great. Loved it. Uh, Christopher Gabriel on Twitter, at CG Program. Hawkins has made this point, though. You need markets that care deeply care. and are in the right place and they're positioned correctly. We're a research one now. Yep. We're an R1. I think that's... We have both of being a a big enough city and a good TV market. We're not a nobody uh, uh, network TV market. And... It's big enough. And the city cares about the university more than most major cities care about their local university. Yep. Hey, Christopher Gabriel, KMJ is where we hear you in Fresno. Also here in Tennessee, in Knoxville, and now on 92.9. Appreciate you, buddy. Hey, love you guys. Always love coming on anytime you ask. Thanks, we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Christopher. That is Christopher Gabriel from KMJ. My thanks to Christopher. My thanks to Gabe Kuhn, who we'll hear next. Yeah. Uh, also, thanks to Jeffrey Wright, who will be back in studio. Goodness gracious. God willing, he gets to see Blink-182 tonight uh, in Austin. I hope he has a good show with Blink. And and super thanks to you, J.R. Moore. Thanks, man. Um, you can get your, your J.R. stuff on Twitter, at J.R. Moore Music. Yep, it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're all J.R. Moore Music. Enjoyed the shows recently, too. You guys have thanks, been man. doing um, more shows with Ingram. We have, It's yep. been fun. Mixing it up, man. And on with Shinedown. Getting and, out there. And uh, all those guys, too. So thanks to J.R. Moore. Gabe's up next. We'll talk to you later. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 